Welcome to the Women's Investor Community Podcast. I'm Diana Ritchie. Today, we have a listener question about car buying. Our listener writes, I'm thinking about buying a new car. My car is almost 12 years old, and I'm worried that it's going to become unreliable soon. I'm not sure whether I should buy or lease. And then there's the question of financing. Is it better to pay cash or get a loan? There's so much conflicting information. Thanks. Yes, this one, this is such a good question because car buying is such a multifactorial decision-making process that it is so difficult to get tangled up in knots. You have the question of which car should I buy? What's important to me? Where should I buy it? How should I negotiate for the best price? And then ultimately, what you're asking, how should I pay for it? Should I buy it? Should I lease it? Should I finance it? All of these good things. And when we get tangled up in this knot, it's also so easy to alternately put off making any kind of a decision because you just don't know where to go or to simply throw your hands in the air, walk into the dealership and just do something because you're simply so tired of thinking about this question of how should I go about the car buying process? So in this episode, we will break down car buying and we'll break it into two components. First, we'll talk about the economic components of car buying, the best way to buy a car and whether to finance or not. And then two, we'll talk about the non-economic components of car buying, the lifestyle factors. So with that, let's dive in. Okay. The question of how to best buy a car from an economic perspective. The simple answer, the rule of thumb here for car buying is the most cost-effective way to buy a car is to do three things. One, buy a car that is slightly used. Two, pay cash for it. And three, drive that car into the ground. Drive that car until it absolutely will not go anymore. And to figure out how we arrived at that rule of thumb or what, how I got to that answer, let's unpack this a little bit. So this rule of thumb is true in almost nearly all cases. I'd say it holds pretty well across the board. And here's how it breaks down. Here's how I think about it. So there are two different types of costs associated with car ownership. First, you have your cash costs every year, and then you have your non-cash costs every year. So let's take each one of those in turn. The cash costs of owning a car are the costs that you think about. So when you think about car ownership, you know you'll have to pay for gas. You'll have to pay for car insurance. You'll have to pay to register the car. 
with the state or local government. You'll need to pay for maintenance and repairs. So oil changes, checkups, repairs when things go wrong, flat tires, new tires, all of these types of things. And when we look at those cash costs of car ownership across the different categories, right? Across leasing a car, buying a used car, or buying a new car, they tend to be pretty comparable. Now, certainly in the maintenance category, maintenance on a leased car or on a newer car is going to be less than maintenance on an older car where things are falling apart and going wrong. But by and large, the cash costs of owning a car are pretty comparable. However, the non-cash costs of owning a car are where we really get the hit. And this is what drives the, the rule of thumb that we've developed about buy a used car. And here's the thinking. When I talk about non-cash cost, I'm talking about depreciation on a car. And depreciation is as follows. Depreciation is this experience. Let's say that a couple years ago, you bought a car for $50,000 and you drove it off the lot and you loved this car and it was fabulous. And yeah, it's a big purchase. It's expensive, um, but it's great and you love it. And now here we are five years later. And for whatever reason, you decide it's time to sell this car. And you walk into a local car dealership and you say, hi, how much will you give me for this $50,000 car? And the dealer says, well, you know, I'll give you, say, $10,000. And you think to yourself, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how did something that was worth that I paid $50,000 for become worth only $10,000. And that is the experience of depreciation. That is depreciation in action. And so when we say that buying a slightly used car is best, that is because when you buy a car that is slightly used, the first owner of that car, whoever drove that car when it was brand new, took a lot of the depreciation hit for you. And so that's where, that's really what drives this rule of thumb around buying a used car. And then the piece of our rule of thumb that says, drive that car until it doesn't go anymore. The rationale there is that depreciation becomes less and less every year, the older the car gets. So for example, you have a brand new car that's worth $50,000. And then let's say year 10, that car is worth $3,000. And then from year 10 to year 20, assuming you're still driving that car, your depreciation cost every year isn't that high because from years 10 through 20, 
the car is going to lose $3,000 of value total, but that's not that much, especially compared to the appreciation that happens at the very beginning. In other words, there's less depreciation on a car in its later years. And that's where we get the rule of thumb that you should just drive the car into the ground if you want to be most cost-effective with your car buying decision. Okay, so big picture summary again. From an economic perspective, the most cost-effective way to buy a car is to buy something that's slightly used, to pay cash for it, and then to drive it into the ground. Before we leave the economic section of the discussion, um, I want to make sure we address your your question about financing. Is it better to pay cash or is it better to get a loan? And here's how I generally think about the question of financing, whether this is true, whether it's a car or a home or whatever else. Assuming that you are in the fortunate position of being able to decide whether to pay cash or to get a loan. In other words, assuming you're fortunate enough to have enough cash on hand in your bank account to just write a check for the car, which is a wonderful position to be in, um, then you have the decision about, should I finance the car or should I pay cash? What's the smarter money decision? And the way I generally think about this is take a look and compare the interest rate that you can get on your investments to the interest rate that you will be paying on your auto loan. In other words, let's say that you can keep your money in a savings account and get 5%, which is about where interest rates are these days. And let's say that your bank is telling you that in order to get a car loan, you're going to have to pay 12%. In that case, it does not make sense to pay 12% to a bank if all you're getting on your savings is 5%. You are going to be better off paying cash for the car because the interest rate on that auto loan that you could get is so high. It's and it's so much higher than what you get on your investments. Conversely, if for whatever reason you got a great deal on an auto loan, right? Let's say you find a financing company that's willing to give you an auto loan for 3% and you can let your money sit in a savings account and make 5% on your money. Well, then you're going to want to take the bank's money all day long. Because you can make 5% on your money, pay the bank 3%, and that extra 2% spread, that's yours to keep. That is an arbitrage opportunity. And if you can get low-cost financing like that, you absolutely would want to finance the car. So that's how I think about the financing decision. Again, assuming you're in the, in the wonderful position of being able to choose whether to pay cash for the car or to finance it. 
look at the comparison on the interest rates between what you get on your investments and what you'd be paying on an auto loan. Okay, so part two of the discussion, the non-economic factors. I do not want to leave you with the impression that cheaper is always better. And so far, that's probably the impression that I've left you with because we've talked about the most cost-effective way to buy a car, but there are other situations that could tip the balance in favor of, of something different. So let's walk through four of those examples or four of those scenarios now. Number one is buying a new car. It may very well be that you love new cars. Maybe you're a car person. Maybe cars are really important to you. Maybe you love the latest body style or the newest model of a certain vehicle. Maybe you want the latest safety features. Maybe you don't like thinking about the smelly person who sat in the car before you owned it. Whatever the case may be, if you simply want to buy a new car because that's what lights you up and it's important to you and it's authentic to you, then by all means, if you can afford it, buy the new car. I do not want to leave you with the impression that cheaper or cost-effective is always better. It's not. So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two is leasing a car. Because in similar fashion, if you're a car person and you want to be in the latest model of car and you want to have a new car every couple of years, say every three years, then leasing can be a wonderfully convenient option because you can lease a car drive it for three years, and then walk back into the dealership, hand it back to them, and lease something new. And yes, you'll pay more every year to, to drive a leased car than you would to buy a new car, to drive a used car, or even a new car that you purchase. And that's true in the vast majority of, majority of scenarios. But if again, if you're someone who just loves having a new car every couple of years, then leasing can be a really convenient way to do that, even if it's not the most cost-effective thing. So again, don't wanna leave you with the impression that cheaper is always better. Um, the third category of consideration is modifications. If you are someone who loves to modify the car, or if you have plans to modify it, then leasing is not going to be an option because there's generally something in the lease that will say that you can't modify the car. Or even if it's not in your lease, you wouldn't want to spend, I don't think, a whole lot of money putting, you know, accessories and lights and 
lift and tires and wheels and, and all of those car modifications onto a leased car that you're going to have to give back to the dealer in three years. And so if you are someone who likes to modify the car, either for aesthetic purposes or for off-road purposes, whatever the case may be, then you'll want to look at buying something new or buying something used. But leasing is generally not an option if you have a lot of modifications planned. And then factor number four is your financial situation. So we have assumed the range of available options, but the reality is that for many people, leasing is the best option because they don't have, there's not enough cash on hand or not a, a strong enough credit score in order to get an auto loan. And so by all means, if you are building your nest egg, if you are building or rebuilding your financial life and leasing is the only option that's available to you, that is certainly a reality. And that is simply a constraint that you'll work within. And that is just fine because you are in the process of rebuilding your financial life. So hopefully this has been a helpful review. We've talked about some rules of thumb. We've talked about the financing decision. We've talked about lifestyle decisions, including the notion that cheaper may not always be better, especially if cars are really authentic to you. In the resources section of the website, I will post an example of a spreadsheet that I built to compare these different options. And you can use that as a resource if you are in the process of evaluating the car buying decision. And certainly to our listener, if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Women's Investor Community Podcast. Of course, if you have questions about money or your personal finances, please feel free to drop us a voice note from the homepage at dianaritchie.com.